In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Greetings and welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder the Sunday Mass readings. Well, this Sunday is a very special Sunday in the church. It is the last Sunday of the liturgical year. And this Sunday since 1925 has been called the Solemnity of Christ, the King of the Universe, the full title of this solemnity is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. I love that. And I love the opportunity to reflect upon Jesus, the King of the universe. So as we get started, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you this prayer and it's been posted on some of these past podcasts. It's called the Allegiance Prayer. And I thought this prayer is really a beautiful prayer to tie into this theme of the feast or the solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe. Please join me in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear God in heaven, I pledge my allegiance to you and I give you my life, my work, and my heart. In turn, give me the grace of obeying your every direction to the fullest possible extent. Amen. And as we reflect upon this, this solemnity of Christ the King, I hope that this allegiance prayer, it's a very simple prayer, but it really is this dedication of oneself to God, our Father and King. Well, the scriptures today are very vivid, and if we had a lot of time, I would read the whole uh, chapter seven of Daniel. But if you want to have, don't do it right before you go to bed. But this particular chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter seven, is on one of his visions. They're very, very intense visions. And this piece that we're going to hear of verses uh, 13 and 14 is the nice part of the vision, but there's this really sense of the different kinds of kingdoms and the creatures and this fighting against the creator. And Daniel's really concerned as he should be about these visions. But the truth is the truth comes out in the vision. And that's what we'll hear in this reading. So the first reading is from the book of Daniel. As the visions during the night continued, I saw one like a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. When he reached the ancient one and was presented before him, the one like a son of man received dominion, glory, and kingship. All peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not be taken away. His kingship shall not be destroyed. The word of the Lord. 
our responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 93. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is king in splendor robed. Robed is the Lord and girt about with strength. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. And he has made the world firm, not to be moved. Your throne stands firm from of old. From everlasting you are, O Lord. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Your decrees are worthy of trust indeed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, for length of days. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Our second reading comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, who has made us into his kingdom, priests for his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming amid the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples of the earth will lament him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Our gospel reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33b to 37. And what I want to do is I want to read the entire chapter. It's, it, there's, it's just too much. And I really want us to get a little bit deeper into what's happening. And jo John chapter 18, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to start with the trial before Pilate. And this is where we take this segment. In fact, right before this reading happens in the book of John, we hear Peter denying Jesus. So Jesus's passion is beginning. And here as we honor Jesus in the title of King of the Universe, there is a question of the kingship of Jesus. Is Jesus truly a king? And what kind of a king is he? So let's just listen to chapter 18, verses 28, and we'll finish the chapter and, and try to put yourself there in this space of Jesus and Pontius Pilate. The gospel according to St. John. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning. And they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, we do not have the right to execute anyone in order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled. 
and he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? When he had said this, he again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is more of the gospel than we heard today proclaimed at Mass. And if you think back, obviously, to when we hear the Passion read in two different instances, one, of course, is during Palm Sunday, and then we'll hear the Passion in its entirety on Good Friday during Holy Week. And so we'll hear these accounts from two different gospel perspectives. But I want us to listen to the word king and kingship as we get the sense of the readings from the vision of Daniel as he sees the son of man, the one who is to come. And if you read the vision, I mean, it's, it's quite extensive and we won't get into it here, but, but this sense of not just a king of a particular area, but this is the king of all kings, the one who is to come. And of course, we heard in, uh, let's get back in here to the book of Revelation, uh, Jesus being this face, faithful witness, the firstborn. And we get this sense of Jesus being the alpha, the beginning, and the omega, the end. But as we get to this sense of Pilate and Jesus in the gospel, there's really two things that I wanted to reflect upon today, two things that I've heard that have struck a chord in me. And number one is just, what is this, this solemnity that we celebrate and why do we have it? When did it happen in the church? We have these solemnities, these feast days, some might be attributed to a particular saint, some might be attributed to a particular event in church history. But this kind of goes back to, doesn't kind of go back, it goes back to 1925 and Pope Pius XI, if I have that correct. And Pope Pius XI, it's amazing to see what some of our Holy Fathers in past years, when they look at what's happening in the world, 
you know, and Pope Pius XI in 1925 did not have access to the internet. He didn't see globally what was happening in the whole world. But we obviously had war going on in the 1920s and continued on. And as Pope Pius the 11th is seeing what's happening in the world. He's seeing this increase in secularism, this increase in atheism, this continued pushing out of God, this mockery of God, this, I guess we would call it military secularism. So the secular world is pushing God out. And so you have these dictators and these authoritarians that come in for a control. They have a hunger That's why if you go to Daniel and you read his vision, you start to see those creatures who want to uh, control, have power, have dominion over others, over other lands, over other people. And what does that happen to result in violence, tyranny, people's rights being taken away, people treated like objects and people forced into behaviors and activities that are unbecoming of a human being, their rights and their respect and dignity is diminished because of a hunger, of a power, of control, a love of power. And I love what Father Paul at All Saints said this weekend, you know, there's this battle between a love of power or the power of love, as Huey Lewis would sing it in his song. But Jesus Christ, God himself is love. And we say that maybe with a grain of salt and we don't realize the power that truth has that God is love. And what we really hear in these readings at its core is in love is where there is all power, dominion, glory forever and ever. And I don't know if there's ever been a time in history where there hasn't been this grasp of people who want to have ultimate power power of technology, power in politics, power of taking control of land and property and ownership and business and whatever, and education, whatever you want to say, the enlightenment, (laughs) the power. I want to have the power. And of course, we'll see in sci-fi movies and television shows or what have you, this, 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 this clinging to power always leads in destruction. Because what is that fed by? It's fed by the evil one. It's fed by hell itself. The demons who don't want anybody to experience the power of love, the power of love. And so this first idea that I think we should hold on to is why the church gives us the feast of Christ the King king of the universe, that the Pope at this time in the 1920s saw this increasing um, push away from God, this increasing atheism in the world. And he wanted to challenge, I believe, in, in bringing this to light, that Jesus is the king, that in having a world dedicated to the true kingship of Jesus, this is where true peace and true uh, unity come from. And so the Holy Father, in his wisdom, uh, 
led by the Holy Spirit, I can only imagine, brings us this feast to show to the world, no, 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 no. Jesus is the king of the universe, not of just a country or a state, but no, he's the king of our hearts. Because if we are made in the image and likeness of God, we have a body and a soul. That soul is eternal. And so the soul continues to be fed. And the only thing the soul can be satisfied with is that of what it is made of, God, eternal. If we try to satisfy our soul with other people, with accolades, with trying to get the best grade, trying to get the best job, trying to raise the, the most money, trying to be in the biggest house, trying to, 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 to win here and to win there. And, and, and I'm going to be satisfied by all of these earthly, temporal, material things. We're never going to be satisfied, as St. Augustine reminds us. But God will be the one who will satisfy our eternal nature that part of who we are as being created in the image and likeness of God. And so will we focus our energy, our attention, our lives, not on those who are loving power, but on the power of love and where true love comes from, Jesus Christ. The other thing about the gospel is when we look at the gospel, and I don't know how many of you, I think I've mentioned this before, if you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, done by Mel Gibson many years ago now, you know, these, these scenes of Jesus and Pilate, you come to my mind, and this dialogue that Pilate, with such power, in his day, he had the power and the Jews knew it. The Jews knew he had the power. And wouldn't that be why they would want to go to him to get rid of this guy, Jesus? However, this guy, Jesus, is really the son of God. And they were misinformed, misdirected. They couldn't see the truth. And here's this dialogue. Are you the king of the Jews? That Pilate asks and the last sentence, Jesus explains to him, and of course, Pilate is not getting this. You say I am a king. For this I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone, this is what I love. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And there's a great line in the film of the passion that always struck me because Jesus and Pilate are having this interchange and we see this distraught wife of Pilate and she sees the truth. She's been hearing about Jesus. She's seen him in the crowds. She saw eventually his um, scourging and she recognized the truth in Jesus, you know, and she would plead with her husband, Pilate, you know, don't, don't have anything to do with him. Don't, don't be part of this man's destruction. She could hear the truth in Jesus. That's what was portrayed in the film. She belonged to the truth and listened to the truth. 
Pilate couldn't hear the truth. You know, Pilate said, what is truth? He would ask because he couldn't see the truth. We see many of the Jews in the Passion account didn't see the truth of Jesus. But then we see a centurion, total pagan, not a Jew, despises the Jews and the Jewish customs and rituals and religion. And yet this one centurion, we have an account that he takes his lance, spears the side of Jesus at the cross, right? And we hear the blood and water that gush forth. And he recognizes the truth at that moment of who Jesus truly is. Surely this is a son of man, the son of man. So we have pagans, we have tax collectors, we have prostitutes, we have beggars and blind men and lepers that recognize the truth of who Jesus is. So much so that they would call him a king. They would call him his king, their king. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And that's really, I think, the question for all of us. It's certainly the question for me is, is there every day there are those in the media, in politics, in the church, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the schools, in the grocery store, on the street, who are trying to get power. They love power in whatever element that they're in, whether it's... We've just done some traveling up and down I-5 and I-205, and you see the people who just, even in the weather that we have that can be pretty rough and rainy and windy and hard to visibility, but you see people going way beyond the speed limit or going in and out and, you know, the power that I'm in control, I'm on the road and I'm going to be in control, that love of power. Or just how much media can you absorb? How many, how many podcasts can you listen to? How many games can you stream? You know, how much of that power of just of, of getting more and more, how much is that taking over who you are? Or will you submit to the God who loves us and to choose not to speed? not to swear, not to rush, not to hurry, not to judge, but to be patient, to be kind, to be loving, to be forgiving. Will we reflect the king that we proclaim to follow, to love? Because it's in that allegiance. That's why this prayer is so, so special. In turn, you know, we're pledging our allegiance to God. We say in this prayer, we'll give God our whole life, our work, and our hearts. But please give me the grace to obey, the grace to obey your every direction to the fullest possible extent. Because there are many in the world who will not, who do not, who won't, recognize the kingship of Jesus Christ. They may be your friends, 
They may be your family. They may be your spouse. They may be your kids. They may be your parents. They may be your priest, your teacher, your principal. Those that are in charge of of cities and states and countries. And they really haven't aligned themselves with Jesus Christ, nor will they. It's up to them and Jesus. What our role is, what my job is, is not to tell you where to do or how to choose to live your life, but I've got to work on Dina Marie. How is Dina Marie going to get up and live her life each day? And you get to ask yourself the same question. Who, who am I going to follow? Because there's a lot of people who want you to follow them, follow their mindset, follow their lifestyle, follow that this is the way to do it and to be tolerant or intolerant of this or of that. Oh my goodness. So much division. If if the voice and the authority that you're looking to and listening to is divisive, listen more carefully to what that is all about. Jesus did say there would be division, and he certainly warned us about the divisions that would happen in, in the most intimate of relationships in our culture, in our world. And yet, what is the prayer that Jesus prays for us? That we would all be one. That we would all be one. But guess what, folks? I'm not going to change you. I'm not going to change the mayors or the governors or the presidents or the kings or the queens or the CEOs of any organization. I can only, with God's grace, change me and do a little bit more of what he wants, the Lord, and a little bit less of what I want. We say the Our Father prayer, for those of you who pray the rosary, several times a day. But I believe for many Christians daily, you would say a form of the Our Father prayer. And just the first two lines, as I'm looking at it here in this prayer book, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name recognizing the greatness of God, hallowed be thy name. Holy are you. Holy are you. What do we say next? Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom is coming. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Have you forgiven those who have trespassed against you? And lead us not into temptation. Help us to not go down the wrong path. Help us to stop, take a turn, go back to humility, go back to forgiveness, go back to love, not to vengeance, not to to hate, to anger. No, but deliver us from evil. Amen. We are called as followers of Jesus to reflect the kingdom that we believe in. So what are our choices reflecting? What are our decisions in our home, in our marriage, with our families, in the workplace, in the schools, how I eat, 
how I take care of myself, my, my mental self, my spiritual self, my physical self. How are those decisions reflective of a person who says they believe in Jesus Christ, King of the universe? Are they similar or is there some kind of a question to who your alliance truly is with? My decisions, my actions, my behaviors, my lifestyle, is that reflective of the king that I proclaim to follow, Jesus Christ, king of the universe? Will you make an allegiance to him every day of your life? Or will politics and the media and the most charismatic speaker of the day just take over and start to lead you down a slippery slope? I hope not. I hope not. So we are moving towards Advent. And next week will be the first Sunday of Advent. And between now and then, we have in our country, for those of us in the United States, the celebration of Thanksgiving. And we know as Catholics that Thanksgiving, giving thanks, reminds us of the Eucharist. The Eucharist means Thanksgiving. And so receiving Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity as our King, as our God, is the greatest Thanksgiving we can have. So I'll close with this prayer for Thanksgiving and offer a prayer for all of you for safety, for your travel. If you happen to be traveling to visit loved ones, I pray that many of you will have an opportunity to go to mass and to pray for your loved ones. And then we'll enter into the time of Advent together. Our Thanksgiving prayer, good and gracious God, we come before you today, united with all who give you thanks and praise. Fill us with gratitude for your many blessings, both physical and spiritual. We thank you in particular this day for the gifts of food and family. Bless this food, Lord, that it may nourish our bodies. Bless your family, especially those who can't be with us today. Also, we remember those of our family who have gone to be with you. Grant us your special spiritual blessing and help us pray daily for the grace to serve you in response to your bountiful gifts to us. Bless all who serve you throughout the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your son, our Lord, who gives all things freely according to our needs. Continue to bless us and give us your peace. Amen. And may you all have a very blessed Thanksgiving and a very blessed Advent. Christ be with you. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week.